The opinions expressed on the Rob Report are the opinions of the host, participating callers, and or listener emails, texts, and or letters, and are not necessarily the opinions of WDAY or Forum Communications. Four nine seventy WDAY AM ninety three point one FM seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine email talk at wday dot com. You can tweet me as well at Rob Port. Those are uh, those are the ways you can always get in uh, get in on the show during the show. Open phones this first hour, and uh, before we get into it, you know, yesterday we spoke about. Uh, or yesterday we had Congressman Kevin Kramer on the program. And you remember we got a call in from Dan. Remember that, Ben? Yes. Yeah. Dan called in and kind of kind of put the congressman on the spot. He was the charism guy. Charism. Right? Yeah. That's right. Dan from Charism. I've kind of put the congressman on the spot, asked him if he would do their over the edge event, which which is happening tomorrow, where people are gonna rappel down the black building, which is over a hundred feet. It looks right? like a lot of fun, yeah. It's I, up there. I don't know that that's what I would describe as fun. Says the guy terrified of heights. Okay, I went that, up at the, that's fair. I went up at the Space Needle two years ago, and I couldn't barely... It was all I could do to just go up to the top of it in the elevator. I could barely get away from the elevator shaft. Oh, My man. kids are, like, out on the thing looking at the city and everything, and I'm standing, like, hugging the wall terrified. I don't know. I don't. I couldn't do something like this. But anyway, he asked, uh, he asked Congressman Kramer. Congressman Kramer said he'd check his schedule. Uh, I got an email from Chris Kramer, the congressman's wife, and uh, she works on his campaign as well. Uh, she wrote me, she said, Kevin will repel for charisms over the edge event in Fargo tomorrow uh, because of the persistence of Dan, the caller yesterday. That's what she said. So Dan uh, scored one for charism. He got the congressman. He's going to be down there tomorrow. That's awesome. Uh, I guess I guess Kevin goes over there. And there's there's they have like over 100 people do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. They have like over 100 people do it. Um and they go down the side of the black building on Broadway. It's 110 feet down. I was right. Yeah, over one person like every 20 minutes for like a couple hours they're doing this. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, the congressman is, is supposedly going at 1140. That's that's when they have him scheduled for. So that's going to happen tomorrow. So I, kind of a cool thing because they're raising money. Charisms is an organization um, who, uh, you know, basically they, they provide um, services and, and, and that for at-risk children in, in Fargo. So uh, it's it's a good good organization, good event, and uh, the congressman's going to be on thanks to uh, open phone segment here on the Rob Report. And Ben, it's just the sort of thing we like to do here on the Rob Report, right? Right. Is, is bring bring people together. Well, that's what we do. That's the benefit of just having open phones all the time for guests. Yeah, you know, letting it. letting people ask questions. Yeah, just call yeah. in whatever you want. They called in, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, thankfully it worked out. I guess you know I would understand if it didn't work out. Uh, but it did work out. So anyway, that's that's a cool thing. Uh, we talk a lot about politics and everything else on um, here on 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 the show. But um, you know that, that's just kind of a nice moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, coming up later in the program, Jordan Idso, who is a Republican candidate for the Minnesota State House of Representatives in Minnesota's uh, District Four A, he's going to be on the program. Uh, we'll talk with him about his campaign. I extended an invitation to his Democratic challenger, uh, Ben Lean. Uh, he's the incumbent in that race. I haven't heard anything back from him. But uh, Jordan's going to be on the program coming up at 1 o'clock. And then Mark Lauder is going to be on the program. We'll talk. We had some more more of these you know, special elections uh, across the country. A lot of people trying to read the tea leaves on those. Mark Lauder, former, uh, former uh, advisor to President Trump, is going to be on the program. We'll talk a little bit about you know, what that means and the shifting landscape and everything. It does look like the, the generic, there is some polling out today. I was looking at the real clear politics polling average for the generic ballot, which is basically, you know, who are you more likely to vote for this cycle, Republican or Democrat? Um, real clear politics, they basically aggregate the polls, and then they do an average of the last however many polls. Uh, and it's it's narrow. Um, Democrats are at plus five. They were a lot higher, but it's getting very, very narrow. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people who are saying, you know, Democrats are going to pick up the House. Maybe they'll pick up the Senate. But there's a reason why we actually hold the elections. 
you know, in 2016, everybody thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. And now President Trump's been governing our country for going on two years. Yep. There's a reason why you hold the election. So that's uh, that's interesting. We'll talk with Mark about that. Plus, of course, uh, once again, your phone call, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, speaking about polling, there's new polling out in a North Dakota Senate race, not head-to-head polling between the two candidates. This is that morning consult poll where they're tracking the approval numbers of uh, of incumbent senators in battleground states, which this election cycle, that's North Dakota. We're a battleground State. A lot of times we don't enjoy that designation because A, we're heavily Republican and B, in terms of national races for presidencies, we don't have that many electoral votes. So, uh, but this cycle, we're absolutely a battleground state. The, uh, the control of the United States Senate may hinge on how North Dakota voters cast their ballots this election cycle. So morning consults tracking, uh, our race in this state along with places like Missouri, Montana, Indiana, Florida, and uh, what they're finding this these I, I and we've been talking about this poll for a while now because dating back to july of last year senator heitkamp was at a 60 percent approval rating uh she bottomed out at 44 percent last month i mean so that's a big swing in her approval from 60 percent approval down to 44 percent approval under 50 percent now she's bounced back a little bit ben this 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 most recent polls a little bit better. Uh, her approval number went up three points. She's at forty seven percent now. Her disapproval okay. number came down two points. She's at forty two. Um, in terms of the number of people who say that that she deserves reelection, the number of people who saying that it's time for a new person is down four percent. So those are those are positive. So she's she's gained a little bit more ground since the last. She's one. gained she's gained a little ground. Well, and yeah. and perhaps more importantly. It looks like she stopped the bleeding, according mm-hmm. to this poll, because she was in a free fall there. It looks like they've stopped the bleeding. Now, now what's what's happened in recent weeks, recent months, uh, her campaign has engaged, right? They're, they're spending money. They're, they've already spent millions of dollars on advertising and marketing and messaging and campaigning and everything. Uh, they're going to spend millions more before it's done. But it looks like it looks like they uh, for now. She has stopped the, the the bleeding in terms of her approval. Now, the problem for her is she's still above fifty per, or below fifty percent approval, which is not a good place to be. No. Um, also, the number of people saying that she deserves re-election is only at thirty nine percent. So you still have a plurality, even though it's not a fifty plus one majority. You still have a plurality of poll respondents in this poll saying it's time for a new person. Mm-hmm. which is also not good for an incumbent trying to win re-election. But anyway, I've got I've got the full polling memo. i got charts showing the past polls, everything up at sayanythingblog.com if you want to track that. Um, but it is it is the first. I mean, I, I will be the first to acknowledge. And I was getting beat over the head by people, uh, you know, high, high camps talking, you know, basically her mouthpieces in the media, some of whom work for the media, uh, you know they've been out there, you know, crying. Oh, this this poll doesn't mean anything. Whatever. I was I was talking about this poll back when it showed Senator Heitkamp with a sixty percent approval rating. I was talking about it when it showed her falling down to a forty four percent approval rating. And now that it's showing her bouncing back a little bit, you know what? I'm still talking about it because I think the numbers are pertinent, and I think they're important. Now I, I don't I don't know. You can't hang your head on this. It's one data point. It should be considered along with a number of other data points, but it is a data point, and it's worth considering, uh, and it's worth talking about, and it's it's worth acknowledging this is a little bit of good news for Heitkamp. Insofar as this could maybe tell us which way the winds are blowing in that Senate race, it looks like Heitkamp, at the very least, has stopped the bleeding. At the very least... She stopped the free fall in her approval numbers. You know, and, and again, a lot of that has to do with the fact that she is pushing back. A lot of that has to fact to do that, that she's getting messaging in her favor out there. Now, can she come back? Can she stop the bleeding? Can, can she can she come back and actually, you know, hurt Kramer now? I, I don't know. And and by the way, I wish that morning consult would uh would, would pull Kramer as well. They don't. They're just pulling the incumbents in these Senate races, so I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I can't tell you in terms of the head-to-head polling, which is basically the, who you know, which candidate do you prefer polling. Um, and we haven't seen any of that in a while. But consistently, there's been four polls since February. And the average of those polls shows Kramer with a four-point lead. Um, 
you know, typically the polls show them four to five. There was one sort of an outlier poll by Gravis Marketing that showed Heitkamp with a two-point lead. The rest showed Kramer with a four to five-point lead. Um, basically, the the consensus is Kramer four-point lead. Now we haven't seen any of that publicly available polling in a while. There was some allusions to to new polling in national media uh, that the campaigns are keeping internal, which shows Kramer leading. But who knows about that stuff? At this moment in time, I would I would argue. If I had to place my money, election held tomorrow, if I had to put money down, I'd put money down on Kramer winning. That's that's the way I would bet. I'm not saying it's a sure thing. We still got three months to go. So, And in reality, we still have three months to go. Mm-hmm. And a lot could change between now and then. Heitkamp's got a millions of dollars to spend. Kramer, frankly, has millions of dollars to spend. So uh, anyway, that's where we're at in that race. And uh, and it's interesting. Also interesting, and, and this maybe have flew under some people's radar, is some of the uh, some of the posturing Senator Heitkamp's doing around some of President Trump's nominees now, or or or, or potential nominees, I guess we should say more accurately in this instance. Now, Senator Heitkamp has been investing a lot of money in portraying herself as a Trump ally. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. We've talked been talking about that for a while. Ads bragging about how often she votes with President Trump. Ads featuring a self-described Trump supporter out there, you know, sort of aligning himself and, and Heidi Heitkamp with President Trump and, and and criticizing Congressman Kramer. You know, Senator Heitkamp's worked very hard to align herself with, with President Trump. The other thing she invests a lot of time and a lot of money in is cultivating this this sort of North Dakota nice uh, demeanor, right? She's, she's pragmatic. She's just going to be down where the rubber meets the road. Uh, you know, she doesn't have time for all this partisanship and all these partisan political games or whatever. Well, in, 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 in a couple of articles, one posted last night, one posted this morning, the curtain kind of got lifted on that a little bit. And it has to do with our U.S. attorney appointment here in the state of North Dakota. Now, it's been widely expected that Drew Wrigley, who served as U.S. attorney under George W. Bush, who is involved in the uh, un- unfortunately famous Drew Shadeen case, um, he uh, was widely expected to be appointed. Now, now, now that nomination hasn't happened yet. And there's been rumors in political circles for a while now that the Senator Heitkamp's been pl- playing political games behind the scenes. Now, what's interesting about that, about, about the political games behind the scenes and everything else, uh, is that that is very much in keeping with, with Senator Heitkamp's character, right? Where she doesn't, she doesn't have time for political games, you know, whatever. She doesn't have time for partisanship. Just do what's best for North Dakota, whatever. What's been revealed here, because she gets asked the question. There's a John Hageman article last night. And Hageman asks her, because they're running through and they're talking about, you know, the federal judge nominee to replace U.S. District Judge Ralph Erickson and everything else. And in the article, reporter John Hageman asks Heitkamp, about the U.S. attorney position. This is what he writes. I quote, Heitkamp had fewer updates to share on the U.S. attorney position, but heaped praise on Myers. Now, he's the guy. He's not in the running for the nomination. He withdrew himself, but he's the interim guy who's been holding the position since uh, Obama appointee Tim Purden uh, bailed. And, and by the way, a, a Heitkamp political ally bailed and went into the private sector before President Obama's term in office was done. Chris Myers has been holding job down the job since then. We're still waiting on President Trump to make his appointment to the position. That appointment's expected to be Wrigley. Um, Hageman continues. She said there tends to be a rumor that she's holding up the Trump administration's nomination, but dismissed that as illogical. When did I get that powerful? She said Tuesday. Now, that article published yesterday. This morning... We get a new article, and all of a sudden, Senator Heitkamp's backtracking on that whole, oh, when did I get so powerful? I'm not playing any games. I'm not doing anything. I'm just North Dakota nice Heidi. Headline from the new John Hageman article this morning is, Heitkamp sees no need for new U.S. attorney in North Dakota. I quote from Hageman's article, Senator Heidi Heitkamp doesn't see a need for a new U.S. attorney in North Dakota as long as Chris Meyer stays on the job. Uh, the statement puts the first-term Democrat at odds with Republican Senator John Hoven, who has recommended former U.S. Attorney Drew Wrigley to be the state's top federal prosecutor once again. Um, in a statement Wednesday, Heitkamp said Myers has been doing a top-notch job highlighting drug investigations that have led to arrests and in- indictments. As long as Chris continues in that position, I don't see a need for a change, she said. 
So that's, that's, that's quite the turnaround, isn't it? Senator Heitkamp yep. goes, oh, I'm not playing games behind the scenes. I don't have, I'm not that powerful. I don't have anything to do with this. To all of a sudden saying, I want the existing guy to stay on. And by the way, I'm pretty sure this is retribution. Under the Obama administration, Tim Purden was appointed to be U.S. attorney directly from the Democratic National Committee. Now, a lot of people raised concerns about that being such a partisan political appointment at the time. His confirmation took some time. It drug out. It kind of looks to me like Senator Heitkamp's playing partisan games, contrary to her whole, oh, I'm North Dakota nice Heidi. No, <laughs> she's she's not. But we'll talk about it more after the break. This is the Rob Report 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're Rob Report 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Talking about Senator Heike. I, I think, honestly, I think this thing around Wrigley, and it's if, if you're paying attention, I think it's a peek behind the curtain to, to see the, the conniving, ruthless, grasping politician that Senator Heikamp really is. And, and to be clear, most politicians are that. It's just that Senator Heikamp, very well pretends to be something else uh you know but but she she's not i think i think the wrigley thing that i talked about in the last segment i think that's an example of it i think also you uh you look at when uh, when congressman kramer was was appointed to the conference committee to negotiate the farm bill senator heitkamp hadn't yet been appointed to the senate iteration uh the, the senate side uh her campaign responded by calling it politics at its worst rather than being happy that you know, a, a member of, of North Dakota's only member of the U.S. House of Representatives was on the conference committee to negotiate probably what is one of the most important pieces of legislation for our state. She attacked it politically. Now, of course, when she got appointed herself, then it was all rainbows and let's let's get beyond the partisanship and everything else. Amazing how that works. Kurt emails, uh, use your radio power to challenge Heidi to go over the wall for charism. Oh, I'm not going to do that. That's not for me to do. That's for the, if the folks at Charism want to invite Senator Heitkamp, they certainly can. Uh, and if she wants to participate, she certainly can. Uh, I got nothing really to say about that one way or the other. Uh, let's see. Another emailer says, I wonder when Heitkamp's campaign will get a negative ad going about Kevin rappelling down the black building. Yeah, who knows? They are petty. Let's put it that way. Caller, Dave, you're on. What's up? Oh, yeah. Hey, Rob. A uh, couple of things. Uh, have, you, um, have you ever studied uh, Trump's history? You know his, uh, his ties to uh, Roy Cohn. Yeah, there, there, there's that. Yeah, there's a there's a great um, documentary on Netflix about it, about right. him and and Roy Cohn's a part of it. Yeah, yeah. And so when you start looking at Trump and you start looking at his appointments to judgeships, and especially you know federal judgeships where they're in forever, Supreme Court justices, you realize that Trump is. Uh, if Trump is organized crime, his appointments to the judgeships are organized crime choices. You remember the first thing that Trump did, almost 24 hours after Inauguration Day, he fired 48 of the U.S. district attorneys around the country. So all of a sudden, all of the crimes that they were studying and working on, uh, prosecutions were left in smoke. That's normal, though, Dave. It's no, normal. No, it's not, Presidents because are normally allowed. there's a transition. These guys were locked out of the offices the moment they, they uh, got the news, right? So, so, so what? For, they got they got they got got a new boss those are political appointees there's a new president up making appointments so what well uh, i mean i, I, so I, I, real, I realize you want to make that i realize you want to make that into something it's not but president obama did basically the same thing george uh, w bush yeah, did basically the same thing Trump the only the only thing that changes and did, his, did, his well, appointments to judgeships are organized crime if why? Camp is they're organized to crime? stop any of these judges that's fine right. with me so what? So what happens? So what happens when Senator Heitkamp votes for Kavanaugh? Because you know she's gonna. Uh, well, Is she voting for organized crime? Not, especially after Devin Nunes' tape came out yesterday, showing that Kavanaugh is uh, is basically one of these organized crime appointments. Well, I, I realize you feel that way. So, so if, if Senator Heitkamp is she, would she be voting for organized crime if she votes for Kavanaugh? Because I think she's gonna. I think she's gonna uh, have to if she wants to win the election. To. All right, and if she does, are you gonna vote for? Her? 
Uh, well, I would urge her not to do that, and I'll make up my mind if it comes up. I would okay. think that if Kavanaugh has any kind of ethics, but if, but if she's but if you're if you're right, and they're organized crime judges, you're saying you're willing to vote for somebody who supports organized crime. You're that much of a partisan. Uh, I'm not partisan. I'm telling you that if oh, but she you're but you're willing choice, to vote for her. Did, did you're you willing hear, to vote for somebody who supports organized crime. Did you hear the tape that Nunes? I don't. Know. Uh, hey, I got I got to take a break. I tell you what, Dave, if you want to hold on the line, we can continue sure. this after. But I got to take a break. This is the Rob Report, nine seventy WDY AM ninety three point one FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, nine seventy WDY AM ninety three point one FM. Happy to be with you. Uh, talking about the Senate campaign, I got an email from Josh over the break. Says, just tune into your show. Shocked to hear you're talking about Heidi. Yeah, how dare? How dare I, on a political talk radio show, talk about one of the biggest political races our state's ever seen? How dare I? I'm so, I'm, I'm so terrible. Um, and, and I realize where that talking point comes from. The Democrats, Heidi doesn't like to be criticized. She's got a thin skin. Uh, and so anybody who, who dissents, from the narrative is uh, is going to get attacked. So that's that's what they do. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at wday1.com. Now, I ran out of time with Dave in the last segment, so I wanted to hold him over, and he was gracious enough to hold over. Uh, and, Dave, you were, you were saying uh, basically that, that President Trump's judicial appointments were organized crime judges. Am, am I stating yeah, that correctly? Yeah, dead, dead serious. And the more okay. you study... Uh, Trump's origins and his ties to organized crime, the more you study Russia. Russia is basically captured by organized crime. It's not a communist country. It's uh, an organized crime oligarchy. And so this whole idea of of seizing American assets for organized crime, uh, you look at look at Judge Kavanaugh. He's got rulings that basically say that the government has no duty to care. So, in other words, if we get ripped off, the government has no duty to help us. Uh, and so, doesn't that really uh, look at Social Security? These old boys want to loot Social Security. They want to park it in, in the hedge funds. And then uh, uh, if we get ripped off with our Social Security, the government will have no duty to care. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't want the government. I don't, I don't want by, the government. I don't want the government to care about me. I don't. I don't want some paternalistic well, state where they're going to take care of me. You're Why a fool. am I a fool? That doesn't make me a fool. That makes me somebody who wants to be self-sufficient and free. Uh, what do you think about united? You stand, divided, you fall. I think that's great. I think as a society, we should stand together and support the rule of law. I don't. I don't think that that means we have to support a paternalistic state, though, Dave. Well, let's see. If Social Security was designed to make sure that uh, that people don't live on on in squalor and and uh, you know servitude uh, by some corporate giant, I mean, th- you look at 1776. The 13 colonies were 13 corporations chartered by the king, and that they individually had company money. Thirteen different types of money. Each colony had different types yeah. of money, and okay. that each corporation would would treat the, the the citizens were not citizens as we think about them. They were basically serfs of of each of the thirteen colonies. Yeah, and, Colony, and if you col- think colonies that weren't great. We fought a revolution over that system of government and replaced it with something else. Right, and so uh, you're. Yeah, people like Kavanaugh and Trump and and the rest of these appointments that uh, Trump is putting in do not care about us. Yeah, you remember well, I, uh, when Equifax uh, about a year ago, Equifax was exposed yeah, as, I remember. as putting my up data was my data, data was in the Equifax. My data was in there. I was one of the people exposed. Unfortunately, right now, what was the first thing that Trump did that week? Within one week, he shut down the electronic uh, justice department, the electronic crimes he department did, yeah. in, in uh, the justice Dave, department. Dave, I, I, get, I get the feeling he's probably spent a little bit too much time watching MSNBC. But let me, let me just stick, because you uh, and I are no, just not, we're, I we're just... And as okay. a matter of fact, if you think that shutting down the electronic uh, uh, justice well, Dave, department... Hold, hold on, because we, we, could, we could go down the rabbit hole of every conspiracy theory you found on the internet for, for the whole show, and we're just not going to do that but let me let me just ask you as a voter in the state of north dakota we had a caller actually during the break bring up and, and respond to you brought up the point uh, senator heitkamp's already voted to confirm neil gorsuch who was president trump's first Supreme well, she's Court a fool. nominee okay she's a fool. are you gonna but, but you're still gonna gorsuch, vote for her 
Do you remember who Gorsuch's mother was? Okay, well, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Oh my gosh, I don't care who. She Gorsuch's was the first head was. of the EPA, uh, and she okay. had to quit in uh, disgrace because right. she had been hiding documents from the American people about okay. hazardous waste. All right. Well, she are, are, so, but, 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 okay. So, Senator, I, I just, I just, I just, Dave, to, to your point, Senator Heitkamp's a fool, but you're still probably going to vote for her. No, I'm not in that state. But it, it, the, the oh, fact you're not of in the North matter Dakota. is, in Minnesota, four of the the uh, Peterson, Paulson, Lewis, and Emmer were all those that signed away Social Security last right. April. They all right. tried uh, to Dave, well, Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let I'm, three trillion dollars. <laughs> I'm gonna let you go because you're three you're all trillion over the, dollars. Okay, you're all over the map. Emmer, yeah. Lewis, Paulus, Paulson, and Peterson okay. in Minnesota. <laughs> They tried to loot Social Security, and they didn't get away with it. Luckily, what what happens if Social Security is a bad deal for people like me? I think it's a bad deal for me. I could get I could get well. Again, you're a fool if you think that you don't have anything to land on. I don't. I don't think it's going to be there by the time I'm close. So united you stand, divided you fall. I think it's. I think it's great. You sound like you're in the baby boom generation. I think it's great for your generation. I mean, everybody, it's all there for you. I probably won't be there for me. You know, because well, I don't know why you get a job telling everybody that we should give up. I don't. I don't think we should give up. I think we should do something new. The problem is, old stick in the muds like you don't want to change anything. Old the minute we start talking about, the, 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 well, yeah, the problem in economics rather than organized crime running the economic scheme. <laughs> you know what was? I what, would rather, what happened? Uh, what did Trump do about Equifax? What did he? You know, do? I don't. I honestly, Dave, I don't know, and he I don't have time do to debate thing. with you. <laughs> He shut down the Justice Department, any possibility of doing an investigation. We found the angriest guy in the region. Called into the radio show today. Dave, thanks for the call. Appreciate Give it. 701 293 9000 888 970 Email talk at Boy, that was something. That was something. I mean, that's I, I, this is how I imagine it. Because there's, there's right-wing versions of Dave as well. And I imagine what these people doing is just sitting, watching whatever respective cable news, whether it's MSNBC or CNN on the left or Fox News on the right or, or like reading, you know, obsessively all these left wing blogs or whatever. And then just regurgitating everything's this spider web of of corruption and everything else. And the other guys are bad and our guys are good and. There's a lot of these people out there. That's why politics in America sucks right now. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Caller, Karen, you're on. What's up? Well, I just got a letter from Heidi, and she did not mention Judge Kavanaugh being the godfather. Uh, oh. She did. It was a few years <laughs> back. A few years. I'm sorry. She wrote it a few weeks back, and at that point, she had not yet met personally with him. I, she still hasn't. I think that's supposed to happen later this month, I believe. I think that's what it's scheduled for. I regret that I am not in Minnesota. I would like to vote for Colin Peterson, but I can't. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe uh, maybe one day you can you can move across the uh, move across the river. Karen, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. Uh, let's see. We got another caller on the line. John, you're on. What's up? Rob, I tell you what, all you conservatives are not conservatives. You say you'll take care of your own? You know, Wyoming's one of the most conservative states in the union, and they rely on taxing the living hell out of resources and everything else. You want to talk about relying on yourself, then you pay your own way all the way. Don't tax oil, Don't. and I'm not a big oil person or anything like that. But you turn around and pick and choose what okay. you're going well, to turn all, around. John, first of all, can you turn down your radio in the back? We're, 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 we're hearing an echo of you. If you could turn that down for me, I'd appreciate oh, that. Yeah, just a second. <laughs> all right. Turn down your radio in the back. We're, 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 no. <laughs> there we yeah, go. There's me. All right. That's all much right. better, John. That's much better. Thank you. I mean, um, if you want to talk about a true conservative, a true conservative, all right. Take, take my father-in-law. I'm not going to tell you his name, but like he said, if it takes every dime that I have to keep me in the nursing home, you kids won't wind up with a dime. There's a true conservative that wants to pull his own weight 110%. And as far as Social Security goes, that last guy on the radio was exactly right. I don't want some little old lady 
that was married to an alcoholic or someone that died early and they had a bunch of misfortune or something, I want her to have a basic yeah. form of life. Well, you know what, John, it may, so the problem is, is there's, a, there's a lot of people on the left like you who formulate conservatism that Don't way. Don't ever you, call you, me well, on the left, mister. I'm more conservative than you will ever be. Uh, I'm more conservative than you right. will ever be. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't under, I don't understand what you're saying then, because you're, you're basically what you're postulating your problem. Well, hold on, John, hold on, let me respond for a minute. You say that you are such, uh, you want to be on your own, no social security and everything else. Okay. I didn't say no then, social security. I said social security should be reformed. And and how should it be reformed? I would, I, well, I, I'd rather liked the reforms that President George W. Bush proposed, where maybe we could take a portion of it, allow it to be invested. And listen, I don't have a problem with the safety net. As a matter of fact, uh, an economic advisor to Ronald Reagan, guy by the name of Milt Friedman, probably one of the most free market economists. I mean, he, he's the reason why I'm a conservative today. He talked about something called a universal basic income. Well, that's the people on the left call it a universal basic income. What he called it, uh, essentially was, was a, I, I think it was a negative tax credit or something like that but it was basically a negative income tax i think that's what he called it but basically where everybody was guaranteed a certain level of income i liked that idea now of course he would couple that with getting rid of a lot of the safety net programs but the thing is john what you're postulating is that to be a conservative we have a choice either between you know the the the, the great society programs and everything the status quo or anarchy where we don't have any government at all and everybody's just paying their own way and i that's not conservatism i think we should have taxes and i think taxes should pay for certain government services now my preference for a lot of these government programs is maybe they won't be as expansive as they are today maybe they won't be as expensive as they are today i would like to see a little bit more individual liberty i'd like to see a little bit more personal responsibility but that's not the same thing as saying hey just wipe the status quo clean so i i, I think you're just misguided about what i'm saying john well, I, I, I mean, I could be, but what I'm saying is, I am so sick and tired. Hey, and, and, and I'll give you, I'll give you, I can't give you a for instance right off the top of my head, but the bottom line and the whole thing is both sides of the fence. It's the people in the middle. You know, the Republicans there is no will middle. sit there and say there is the no middle, middle class job. doesn't pay any taxes. Well, you know what? My children to- have studied hard, they got good jobs, and I'll tell you what. They pay as a percent of their disposable income that they have to spend and everything else. I tell you what, they pay a lot of taxes. Yeah. And, I, and I think, I think you, usually they're talking about of, income taxes, though. I mean, income taxes. If you, if you count up all taxes, property taxes and sales taxes and everything else, maybe state income taxes. I, I think usually when people say that, they're talking just specifically about federal income taxes. And they should be more precise in what they're saying. John, I'm, I'm running out of time, though, so i, I got to let you go. I'm sorry. i got to take this break. Uh, but I appreciate I appreciate the call. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back after this. Don't go away. But I found myself in a place Welcome back to Rob Report 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. You know, to, to that last caller's point, and I, I hear that a lot, and I, I know he, he's, he said he's not on the left, he's very conservative. Um, I don't, I don't know what John's ideology is, but I'll take his word for it. I, I do think it's funny sometimes. I mean, this, this is the problem we have is you say, Hey, uh, social security could be fixed. Like you could reform social security. And people interpret it as they want to get rid of Social Security. And, and I think a lot of that is built up. Like, you look at the campaigns right now. In the past, Congressman Kevin Kramer has said he would like to maybe reform Social Security. Um, Democrats have chosen to interpret that as Kevin Kramer wants to push old people down a stairwell. It's it's hard to have reform there. And I, I, I think, honestly... I am I am conservative. I am I am a limited government guy, but that doesn't mean I don't believe in government. I believe that that government has its place. I just am not I, I think sometimes I, I look at I look at my friends on the left and I see their faith in being able to solve problems with government programs or government policies and I see hubris. I see a, a blatant um a, a a blatant uh over um well 
they have a little too much faith in the government's ability to solve problems, the government's ability to, to be efficient. And that's my problem, is I, I think a lot of times we're better leaving some of these problems to individuals, to the marketplace, or, or even just lower levels of government. I think one of the big reasons why at the federal level politics is such a mess is because the federal government's trying to do too much. They're doing too much, which ought to be left to states and the local governments. So anyway, uh, emailer says, so if media is the enemy of the people, does that make you a member of organized crime? <laughs> I guess that gets back to uh, our previous caller who uh, was saying that all of President Trump's judicial appointments were organized crime appointments. I'll tell you, that's one thing. I, I really don't like it when President Trump says that about the media. I get that it's an antagonistic relationship. I get that a lot of the people in the media invite his scorn. I'm not a real big fan of the media either, but calling the press the enemy of the people, that's a bridge too far. Hey, coming up next, Jordan Inso. He is the uh, Republican candidate for the State House in Minnesota's District 4A. He joins me next here on the Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at com. All right, we're going to take a break from North Dakota politics, go to the Minnesota side of the river, talk to our uh, eastern neighbors. Uh, Jordan Idso, he is the Republican candidate in uh, Minnesota's District 4A. He's running for the state house there. Uh, he's running against Democratic incumbent Ben Lean. Jordan, welcome to the program. Thanks for your time. Hello, Jordan. Jordan, Do we have Jordan. We had him. Uh, All right. All right. Well, why don't, why don't you line. work up? Yeah. yeah. Why don't you work on getting him, and uh, we'll figure that out here. Uh, in the meantime, got an email from a uh, listener, Mona, talking about Social Security and that in the last segment. Uh, she says, "I have been li- uh, listening to your callers, and it is so irritating that they think Social Security was created as a retirement blanket that we can go through life and not worry about saving or planning for our retirement." Give me a break. The guy who talked about his father using all his money to take care of nursing home bills. Uh, so what if he has? So what? If he has the resources, then they should be used. Kids should make their own way in life and not wait for mom or dad to die. I I mean, listen, I don't have a problem with safety nets, right? I I don't have a problem with um, creating a situation where if you fall on hard times, you had some bad luck, maybe life didn't go the way you wanted it to go, there's a safety net there, right? We are a prosperous enough society that we can afford a safety net. I have no problem at all with that. I struggle with the idea that some of these some of these programs are like universal entitlements, though. Jeff Bezos, as an American citizen, can collect Social Security. Right. The founder of Amazon, like the richest man or one of the richest people on the face of the planet. can collect Social Security when he's of age. Everybody gets it. I think he he get Medicaid, too. So, you know, that's that's kind of the problem is, um. You know, we're in a we're in a situation where we have nationally we have these these programs that are are universal, and why not means test some of them? I mean, why not get to a point where we're going to ask the question? Uh, maybe not everybody should have this. Maybe it should be means tested. Maybe it should go to, to people need. Why does it need to be universal? And I, it's I mean, we can have a debate about these things. The problem is you start down that road, and you ask the question. People start saying, well, oh, well, he just wants to get rid of Social Security. He just wants to be to be rid of it. Uh, you know, and that's I, I think that's just ridiculous. And, and by the way, uh, somebody um, somebody else uh, said uh, basically, sorry, I'm uh, we're, we're trying to get Jordan Itzel on the program uh, and I'm trying to uh, Ben, I'm trying to run down a number for him if we can. Uh, so uh, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. Um, we, uh, but basically, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating in, in the last program, the, the, the caller, John, you know, made a point about how kids like his, his younger, his kids pay a lot of taxes. They work hard. They pay a lot of taxes. I think that's absolutely true. I think it's absolutely true that younger generations in America right now kind of have a tougher time in, in some ways than earlier generations. More is expected of them. Wages for the middle class haven't really grown that much relative to the rest of the economy. There's been a lot of difficulty there, a lot of struggles, and that's been a hard thing. Um, you know, and, and so t- to me, that solution is, okay, well, maybe let's let's look at some of these gigantic programs. Let's look at mixing things up. What, what, are, what are some ways that we can maybe set the economy on fire? Anyway, that's a debate for another time. I think we do have our guest on now, Jordan Inso. Uh, he is the Republican candidate, Minnesota's District 4A. Jordan, we have you now. 
I can hear you. All right, Jordan. Sorry about that. A little bit of technical difficulty on our end, but uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, tell us, sir, how's the campaign going? How you doing? Uh, it's going really well. We've been out uh, hitting the doors now these past few weeks and months, and I, I've got to say the the response I've been getting has been really positive. You know, it's it's kind of nice. People, uh, whether they agree with you or not, and I've had a fair fair amount of both. They're they're all really polite. They that's that's one thing they love to be heard they love to have someone to listen to them and you know i'm running for representative that's really the best thing i can do for them yeah well what's uh what issues are you hearing i mean what what are they concerned about in minnesota's district 4a what's on people's minds uh going around uh the tax issue is probably the biggest biggest commonality all over town that i've been hearing especially in regards to uh, downtown, because, you know, you look at uh, Fargo and Moorhead, there's almost no comparison when it comes to the business community, because uh, when, it, when it comes to businesses and they want to set up shop in the FM area, they're, that's the first choice they have. Do I want to go to Fargo and do I want to go, or do I want to go to Moorhead? Naturally, I'd like to see them come to Moorhead, but we've got to give them a strong reason to, right? Right. Well, I mean, there's just uh, there's there's a lot of tax advantages to to being on the North Dakota side of the river. That's the thing, yeah. With North Dakota and Fargo right there, it's really a special situation that only Moorhead and a few other border cities around the state face. But Moorhead's got it the worst because North Dakota is a veritable tax haven by comparison. That's really ridiculous. With because uh, on individuals we have very high income taxes. Uh, on all of them, the top Minnesota te- the tax bracket's one of the highest in the entire country. So, you know, we're squeezing squeezing our income earners, and the people who pay them are really feeling the squeeze with the high taxes and all the red tape that they have to deal with. It's very burdensome, and people don't want to deal with that. So when businesses set up shop here, or they want to, they're going to do what's easiest for them, because you need to realize the first reason a business is in business, it's to make money. They're going to protect their bottom line. It's only natural. So that's why we've, re- we've really got to give them a reason to set up shop here. Well, it is, like like you say, though, it is, I mean, because you're, you're running for Minnesota State House. So let's say you, you get elected uh, in November and you go to St. Paul and you're there. How do you bring that message, Moorhead's message, to the State House? Because everybody else there is, for the most part, most of them aren't going to be representing areas in Minnesota that have that problem. Maybe a few other people from from border communities, whether it's North Dakota or maybe some other states. But for the most part, they're they're not going to have the same problem. So how can you articulate the need for statewide tax reform in order to make Moorhead more competitive? How do how do you articulate that message? Well, it's easy enough. Uh, if I remember right, Minnesota was ranked uh, the forty second most tax-friendly state, so that to rephrase that, it's the eighth least-friendly state. It's absolutely ridiculous. So it's a sta- it really is a statewide problem that the border cities really feel the biggest effect of. But it's a state it's a statewide problem, and we had something going in the legislature this last session with uh, the tax tax conformity bill that really would have uh, brought brought our taxes down to the level and would have made things easier on the business community. And naturally, and of course, that ended up not going anywhere. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Now, you've run for this office before. Obviously, you weren't, you weren't successful. Um, the, your opponent won by a, by a pretty wide margin. Uh, what, what are you doing differently this time around to, to, to maybe reach people and, and persuade them that it's time for a change? Yeah, see that, that that's the thing. Uh, when I ran the ran the first time, uh, to, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know I was going to run. Uh, I had only been going to local party meetings for a couple months, and when the time came to, nobody had stepped up to the plate yet. And uh, I've always had, you know, some political ambition. It's always been a, a dream of mine to, you know, serve my community in that capacity. I just didn't think it would be happening that soon. So that's so I stepped to the stepped up to the plate, and as soon as I did, I jumped into the deepest end of the pool I could. As soon as I did, then you're left with the problem with you know fundraising, getting your name out out there. I'm being honest here, self reflection. We had a no name candidate running on a shoestring of a shoestring budget. 
And I started late. I had started in, I think, late June was when we started running the first time. And so with someone who already had name recognition issues at the time, you know, you're, you're, it's really double detriment. So what we're doing different now, we've been going at it hard since late May, going door-to-door, letting people know about our Morehead First message. That's really what we've been championing, Morehead First is Morehead's first priority. Well, that's that's good, and that's that's good to hear. Um, uh, certainly, you're you're out there on the campaign trail. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com. Now, now we've heard about um, the the tax issue, and you certainly want to take that message to St. Paul, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, here on North, on the North Dakota side of the river, we rather like our tax code. We feel like we're doing a pretty good job. I can understand Minnesota wanting to be more competitive, wanting to uh, get to, to, to a place where, where maybe you can attract more businesses to land on, on that side of the river. But also, what, what other issues? I mean, what, what else is there that you'd like to take to St. Paul? What else are you seeing in the state of Minnesota that, that needs to be addressed? Uh, as far as the state is concerned, health care is another one I've been hearing a lot. It's, really hard to avoid uh, the, the the state's in crisis still despite the legislature's best efforts they, they can really best be described as a stopgap me- stopgap measure the uh the uh relief package that was passed earlier and uh, yeah, uh- really it's government that's responsible for this whole entire mess and adding more government because I, I i've seen uh, the public option being uh tossed around as a as a means to help try to stabilize the market give people more options i really think adding more government to a problem that the government created is really the wrong wrong way to go it's adding to an already broken system and if you add to a broken system it's going to collapse now the individual market in minnesota has already collapsed it's a mess you know people will tell you, you know it's on it's on the verge of collapse it, 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 it has collapsed the only way we're going to fix the health care issue in Minnesota is through market solutions, free market solutions, by opening up, by giving people more options instead of looking for an internal solution and forcing it through something like a public health care option or, you know, government provides a health care plan. Why not open it up so that other states can, so we can buy across state lines? So those options, they're, they're already exist. They already established. It doesn't cost the state a lot of money. And it will naturally force prices down for folks. That's what we need to look to. Now, one, one thing that's been difficult in in Minnesota in recent years is is finding common ground. And it's it's certainly it, it doesn't seem to be a, a it doesn't seem it's not it's not a Minnesota specific issue. We'll put it that way. We're certainly seeing a lot of it at the national level. But but finding common ground between Republicans and Democrats, whether it's, you know, legislative Republicans squaring off with the governor or, or you know, legislative Republicans and Democrats squaring off with one another. Do you have a remedy for that, Jordan? I mean, going there, I mean, obviously you're going to have to work with, with some people from the other party if, if you win election. Uh, how, do you, how do you get to a point where you can implement some of these policies you're talking about, tax reform, health care reform? How do you get Democrats on board with this? Really, we, we just need to make that appeal. See, I say, you know, these past couple of things, they've been, you know, the biggest policy issues I've been hearing from people. But the biggest, single biggest issue that I've heard, it's not a policy issue. It's just the divisiveness and the pure vitriol that's been going on. And, and you know, they, they see it going on in Washington. And we almost take it as a given going on in Washington, all these political games and such that go yeah. on. But that's there's really a whole, there's a whole There's a whole media industry well. built around it. Say what? There's a whole media industry built around the uh, pie yeah. throwing that goes on in Washington. Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, that, that and that whole a lot of those political games, and we we we've seen it. It's it really has permeated St. Paul, and people are just sick of it. They're sick of hearing about it. There's they don't feel that connection between them and their representatives and the government. They don't people don't feel like they're being heard. They feel like politicians are inter- are all self interested. And they're, they're not, they're, that they're not working for the people anymore. Because uh, when I go out and I, I door knock, I'm not always, you know, one of the first people people that people want to see at their door. I say, hey, I'm Jordan Idso. I'm a politician. I'm running for state rep. A lot of the times, they'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll get a they'll get a scowl and a dirty look. 
because there's this natural negative connotations that that really politicians have built around themselves, just this reputation that they've built. And it's our job to my job to really cut through that, because I've never seen this as a issue between Republicans and Democrats. I, I say, you know, the slogan we've been using is Moorhead first. And I, I, I mean that genuinely. My, my yeah. priority is Moorhead. I never viewed myself as a politician, merely a concerned citizen. That's why I'm in this. And why, uh, why, why you and not Ben Lean? Why? I mean, let's let's I mean, because obviously you're you're on the ballot. Voters have a binary choice between you and Mr. Lean. He's the incumbent. Why you and not him? For that very same reason, Moorhead first. Uh, ben, for all his efforts, he's done, in my opinion, a rather poor job of representing Moorhead. He doesn't put Moorhead first. He, he's been putting the DFL first consistently. His voting record has shown that. Just, for example, he voted against that tax bill this session. That really would have helped Moorhead businesses and Moorhead families save a lot of money. He even voted against uh, the bonding bill. The, the second one that came along, that one had money for uh, a transfer station that I believe that the city had been working hard to get and uh, for money for the university, of which he claims to be such a big advocate. That's not putting Moorhead first. That's not voting your district. That's voting the party line. And, and I, I'm not about that whatsoever. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm a conservative, yes. I'll be looking for conservative solutions to a lot of Moorhead, Moorhead's problems. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be voting Republican for the sake of voting Republican. But yeah. that's what Ben's been doing. He's been voting Democrat almost for the sake of voting Democrat. Yeah. Well, Jordan, thank you for your time today. Certainly appreciate your time on air. All right. I appreciate you having me. It's Jordan Idso. I'm sure you can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Twitter. He's a Republican candidate for uh, Minnesota's uh, for state Minnesota State House in District 4A. This is the Rob Report here on 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. We'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Ben, are you following this story about the compound with all the kids found in the compound in New Mexico? Uh, I've caught bits and pieces throughout the day, but I don't know like the whole story. It's kind of horrific. And listen to this. Uh, this is from, I'm reading from the uh, Washington Post. The suspected child abductor found last week with 11 children and four other adults in a squalid New Mexico compound had trained at least one of the minors to use an assault rifle in preparation for a school shooting. What? Prosecutors said in documents filed on Wednesday, the children who officials have said were between the ages of 1 and 15 were taken to the compound by some adults for the purpose of receiving weapons training for future acts of violence. So they were basically training child soldiers is what yeah. it sounds like. Oh, my God. Uh, one of them, and I, I cannot pronounce this guy's name. Mm-hmm. It's S-I-R-A-J, middle name I-B-N, last name W-A-H-H-A-J. Siraj Ibn Waha. I, I don't I'm, I'm butchering that. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, anyway, he, uh, he was wanted on suspicion that he abducted his three-year-old son. He was arrested along with four other do- adults after Taos County uh, officials raided the Barron property in the midst of scrub scrubland in Amelia, New Mexico, on Friday. Uh, prosecutors are asking that all four adults, uh, who are each charged with 11 counts of felony child abuse, be held without bail. Um, but I, I, I'm just shocked at that. I mean, I mean, just when I first heard this story, I was shocked that there were like 11 kids living in this compound out in the boonies. And, I mean, obviously, that's horrible enough. Horrific 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 child abuse and now we're talking about that one of them was being trained to like apparently go shoot up a school and that's according to a filing the prosecutors have made i mean that's holy that's toledo yeah so I, I i don't know just i i read that it's just shocking i i'm just absolutely amazed somebody somebody actually sent me the story because i had i had been reading some of the headlines about it or whatever somebody sent me the story um and they were they asked the question, you know, why is this not the top news story in the country? I mean, there's a potential terrorism angle here. Yeah. There's child abuse, school shootings, not the biggest. And then they speculated, well, maybe it's because none of the people are NRA members or Republicans, which I don't know, but a horrific story out of New Mexico. I'll tell you that much. More to come straight ahead. Hey, Mark Lauder, former, uh, former. Uh, advisor to President Donald Trump. He's going to be on. We're going to talk about these midterm elections. Is there a blue wave coming or not? 
Well, everybody's got a hot take. We'll have some hot takes on it after this. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Go away. Welcome back to Rob Report 970 WDYM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. My guest now is uh, former Trump advisor Mark Lauder. And uh, Mark, it, it seems like uh, this last week there's been a bout of every, every uh, political pundit engaging in their favorite intra-election pastime, which is trying to read the tea leaves on special elections and trying to to formulate what 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 does it all mean? And I'm I'm dubious uh, I'm dubious of the genre. Let me let me tell you that. I'm not sure <laughs> that a special election in Ohio tells us all that much about what's gonna happen, say, up here in North Dakota or in Minnesota or what have you. I'll just tell you that thank goodness Washington political reporters don't broadcast sports because after every play in the beginning of the game, they'd say the outcome had been decided. Uh, no, it is not uh, decided. Let's let's be honest. This is a this is a special election in August when people are focused on you know getting that last batch of summer in and getting the kids back to school. This is not something where uh, you know it, it's a high profile election. And I'll tell you, it's great that the, that the uh, that, re- that the Republican won. Uh, we're, we're we're confident that when the uh, all the votes are counted, that he will continue to lead and then serve uh, Ohio in the United States Congress. But uh, we're spending too many times reading tea leaves. Uh, while the good thing is that our Republican candidates are out there actually doing the work that needs to be done. Well, let me let me ask you. You tweeted out something that was kind of interesting earlier, and and again, I'm I'm even dubious of of generic polls because generic poll real polls pit two real people together, right? I mean, here in North Dakota for the Senate, right. for instance, we have a choice between Heidi Heitkamp and Kevin Kramer. Those are two people. Um, people have a lot of different feelings about them. They have track records. They have personalities. They have campaigns that are sending out certain messages. All of that is going to influence how people vote generic ballots have none of that it's just would you vote for republican would you vote for democrat that being said to the extent that it is useful in your tweet you point out uh or you're tweeting i guess the real clear politics uh, average that uh, the democrats they're, they're seeing a decline in the average poll in fact they're down to a plus a plus five and i should add democrats usually they always have an advantage in the in the generic poll it's when that poll gets close that things aren't looking so good for them well, absolutely, and and I agree with you completely, Rob. That these are local races that are decided by people with actual names on the ballot. This is more of just a sampling of the mood of how people feel, and it's instructive to know that at the beginning of the year, the, the Democrats had a twelve-point advantage on the generic ballot. It's now down to minus five, and if you look at every poll this month, it's less than five. So you get the sense that people are starting to pay attention. They're starting to see the progress that's being made in our country, and while it may not always show up in individual races, because they are races amongst individual candidates, this is a positive sign as we move, as we move toward November. A lot of people out there talking as though it's a foregone conclusion that Republicans, at the very least, are going to lose control of the House of Representatives. Do you see that happening? Uh, I mean, that, that is the historical trend, but I don't think that we always have to follow that. And I do think that if our candidates do the things that they're supposed to do, which is talk about their message, talk about the results that this Congress and this president have gotten for our country things that people can feel in their paychecks and, and in the direction of this country and where we are on the economy from where we were. Those are very positive things. When the Democrats, the only thing they're offering right now are resistance and abolish ICE, socialism, and things that the American people clearly do not want. But our candidates have also got to go out, knock on doors, raise money, and do the basic things that individual campaigns successfully have done for years and years. If you are counting on, and I can say this from a, from a great pers- perspective, if you are counting on the president, the vice president, or the RNC being able to come in at the last minute and save you, you might be on the wrong side looking in because there are a lot of races we've got to, go, we've got to play in. If you can, lock your race up right now. Get out there. Meet the voters. Go to the state and county fairs. Do everything you've got to do so the president and and vice president don't have to come in at the last minute, and they can focus on something else 
like you making sure that we have Republicans in the United States Senate or or other congressional races yeah. that might be more con- closely contested. Yeah. Like 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 flipping a Senate seat up here in North Dakota. That that seems like a pretty good priority. Uh, We'd love to spend a lot of time in North Dakota. Yeah, seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. There are not a lot of negative headlines for Republicans out there right now, though. I mean, we have a Republican in New York uh, who's got some negative. Uh, you know, obviously this is one person, but and he's innocent until proven guilty. But he there are some there are charges against him for insider trading. That doesn't look so good. Uh, you have the ongoing uh, issue with the the Manafort trial. Um, you know, that's the, the ongoing Mueller investigation. A lot of this stuff that gets talked about all the time. Now, I realize President Trump's been sort of under a cloud, even before he took office, even before he won the election, there was a steady drumbeat of, of, of scandal. And I'll, I'll leave it up to, to readers to decide whether it's a faux scandals or real scandals or choose on a case by case basis. I realize this has all been in here, but I mean, Republicans are, I, Sometimes I feel like they're really campaigning against the wind. I mean, am I am I wrong in saying that, or am, is this just a perception that's that's been created by them? I mean, that's I think that's the problem. I mean, it, before I was convinced Donald Trump wasn't going to win the election twenty sixteen. I I thought Hillary Clinton would. I was girding my loins for a, a Clinton administration, and uh, and 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 he won. Um, and so now I'm, I'm wondering, is there, there, there almost seems to be this disconnect from the, the reality that exists on cable news and the reality that exists on Twitter and the reality that exists out here where people actually out in meat space where people actually live. Um, are Republicans in headwinds or what, what's your take on that? Well, we always face a headwind when it comes to the national media. I mean, you mentioned, obviously, something recent involving a congressman from New York, but yet you didn't hear anything or hardly anything about the senior senator from California having a Chinese spy working in her office, yeah. or or very little about the senator from New Jersey, the Democratic senator from New Jersey, who faced fraud charges. Uh, so, it's you know, they focus a lot on what they choose to focus on to make a case and to make the Republicans look bad. But I think regardless of all of that, I think the American people are seeing through the nonsense. And they're looking at their paychecks. They're seeing that jobs are coming back to our country. They're seeing a president who is taking on a very difficult fight of undoing bad trade deals that have gone on for decades too long. And I think they like where we're going. And so if we can keep going out there, keep talking directly to the people, talk about that message, because the Democrats don't have a message right now, except for the things that we had mentioned about before. Their leaders are Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, and a socialist out of New York. Uh, we've got momentum behind us, and we've got the results. We just have to make sure we get that to the to the people, and then we've got to make sure – that people understand how important their vote is. Uh, Take a look at that 12th uh, congressional district in Ohio that people are saying is a bellwether. There's like 1,500 votes right now that are separating the two candidates. Every vote counts. And if we're going to flip that seat in, in North Dakota, we need Republicans to come out and support Kevin Kramer. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Now, it, it's such a tricky thing. It's, it's such a tricky thing because we're, we're trying to talk about what voters may or, or may not want. And I mean, the, the trade thing, for instance, that obviously is hugely important to the state of North Dakota. And every time you come on market, it seems like we talk about it. And that's because it's, it's pretty central. To our Senate race up here, heck, the issue is central to our economy up here. Um, we, if our farmers can't, you know, get their goods to, to markets outside of America, that's going to put a world of hurt on us. Or if they're inhibited from doing so or it's more expensive to do so, that hurts people here in North Dakota. So, I mean, that seems like a headwind, a real headwind that Congressman Kramer's had to deal with. Uh, and he's, you know, well, he's done uh, things. He's he's brought he's brought trade officials in that into the state. Uh, but that's a tough that's a tough thing right here in North Dakota that Democrats are trying to capitalize on. And I'll tell you, Rob, I'm from Indiana, so you know I know all about the the importance of agriculture and exports because uh, Indiana is you know part of America's uh, breadbasket as well with uh, with our far, with our agricultural community. But here's the thing: we've got to remember is that these trade deals, while we may have gotten accustomed to them, and we may have gotten used to them, they weren't fair. And so we need to make sure that we can deal with our neighbors to the north in Canada and around the world 
in a fair and reciprocal manner. And I, I do believe that a lot of our farming community knows that the president is seeking the right result and that they will have a certain level of uncomfort, but also acceptance that we've got to get through this. And we're already seeing where there's talk that Mexico is saying we could have an agreement here fairly shortly. Canada is following suit. The European Union came through uh, a few weeks ago with the president and talked about how they're going to to increase their purchasing of agricultural products in the United States to help offset these kinds of discussions. But ultimately, it's going to come down to China, and we're going to have some very difficult discussions with our largest economic competitor in China. And when we get through it, we'll all be better off for it. And I, and I think people understand that sometimes we've got to take those tough decisions for the long-term good. Yeah, but, I mean, you're asking people to understand a lot in an election year. And, I mean, there's, a, there's an old political, and I'm sure you've heard it, that if you're explaining, you're dying. I mean, you just spent a lot of time explaining the trade deal. Are, are, are North Dakotans, are voters going to get that? I mean, are they going to understand that? Or are they going to look at, at what's going on right now, which is a whole lot of uncertainty, a whole, whole lot of anxiety? I think they do understand it. I do think they get it. And, and I give the voters a lot more credit than, than maybe, you know, I, than maybe many of the political scientists or pundits do. I think we can get more than just 30-second commercials and quick sound bites. And if they see where our economy is going, when the, they said the president, when the experts said the president couldn't deliver, he couldn't get to 3%, let alone 4% growth. He couldn't bring back manufacturing jobs. And yet he's doing it. They can see the results that, yes, we can get through this issue and we will be better on in the end for it. And I, and I do believe that, uh, that we can have that discussion. And, and let's be honest, every year is an election year right now in our current state of affairs. Uh, there are no more grace periods where you can just get things done. Uh, and so this is a president who believes in having the difficult discussions, taking on the fight to win the fight. And he's not necessarily always one that is looking toward the next election, the next poll, or something like that. He just wants to get the job done. Mark, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Always good to talk to you, Rob. That's Mark Lauder, former advisor to uh, President Trump. This is the Rob Report 970, WDYAM 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Wrapping the show up, this is the Rob Report, 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. You want to stay tuned because Jay's awesome. You never want to miss an episode of the Jay Thomas Show. Uh, coming up tomorrow, I am working on getting Al J- Secretary of State Al Jagger on. He submitted his signatures today to uh, put himself on the ballot as an independent after all the well, all the ruckus we saw in that race earlier this year, uh, the endorsed candidate coming out of the NDGOP convention, Will Gardner, uh, had to remove his name in, uh, in, in, in disgrace from the, from the ballot. Or he didn't remove his name from the ballot, I shouldn't say. He withdrew from the race. His name had to stay on the ballot because his name couldn't be removed from the primary ballot, so he ended up winning the nomination by default, but then he subsequently declined, and now his name's off the ballot. And there will be no Republican name. There will be no Republican candidate on the ballot. Uh, There will be a candidate uh, for the Democrats on the ballot. Obviously, that's Josh Boucher, uh, who is also a state representative uh, in District 44. And uh, and then also we have um, Al Jagger now, who will be on the ballot as an independent. So that's uh, that's interesting. The dynamics of that race are going to be interesting. Uh, could it be an opportunity for Democrats to pick up? Now, I, I should point out that we do have some polling in that race. There was a Mason-Dixon poll um, several weeks back now, which showed uh, Al Jagger, well, it, a big lead. Well, let's put it that way. Well, every Republican on the statewide ballot, uh, except for Kevin Kramer, who had a lead over Heidi Heitkamp, but a much smaller one. Every other Republican, like double-digit leads across the board. Um, Democrats have not. There's one Democrat on the statewide ballot who has won an election since 2008, and that's Heidi Heitkamp. Um, so that's interesting. The Democrats have a chance. I don't I don't know. We'll talk. Uh, I, I, we should hopefully get Jagger on the show tomorrow. Um, but anyway, stay tuned. That's it for me today. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday at 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM. 24 hours a day, seven days a week on SayAnything Blogs.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.